Today's show is brought to you by Meridian Credit Union. Expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Hope you're having a great weekend. And we're kicking off the show today talking about the R word. Yep, retirement. Yes. So what do you think the top reasons are that one third of Canadians retire earlier than planned? Uh, I don't know what the top reason is, but that stat absolutely amazes me because I'm... I should be retired. I don't know anybody who is. Because you want to keep working. You prefer to be busy. Oh, we know. You prefer to be busy. <laughs> no, I, 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 I mean, if I stopped, my brain would stop. I would get dementia. I would end up in a... I mean, I would end up getting sick or something. I mean, I... Yeah, I need well, to be busy. Well, that's interesting because health is... Health issues is one of the top three reasons that people retire. Maybe because they want to... Relax. Maybe they're more stressed at work, whereas you're more stressed without work. I'm I'm more stressed <laughs> when I have nothing to do. Uh, as you know, meditation is something mm. that that if I had to meditate 15 minutes a day, I would probably have a heart condition at the end of the month. Because you find meditation stressful. Stressful. <laughs> it, the idea of not thinking, not doing, not you know, not just shutting down. So. Well, and being financially able to retire is, of course, uh, in the top three. As is being downsized at work. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll be talking about planning for Plan B and aging well with Nancy Taylor. She is a senior wealth advisor at Meridian Credit Union. Now, according to a recent survey from the Canadian Organization for Rare Disorders, two-thirds of Canadians caring for loved ones living with a rare disease feel, you know, completely unsupported by Canada's health care system. It also revealed that Canada's rare disease caregivers are under immense stress, struggling with mental health issues, isolation, and financial burden. So we're going to be joined by Danielle Wheel. She's the mother of twin girls. They were born just a year ago, and one of her little girls has cystic fibrosis. Now, currently, there's about 4,400 Canadians living with the genetic disease, which is fatal. And Danielle will be here to tell us what she thinks needs to change in the system. And we're also going to have a chat with the founder of Talent. Now, this is an online resource for professional women to pursue their career and life ambitions through access to flexible work and return-to-work programs. Jennifer Hargreaves launched this just over two years ago when she couldn't find any professional roles advertised with reduced or flexible hours. So they recently conducted a survey of more than 500 women in the greater Toronto and Hamilton areas to find out how work can better work for them. Exactly. Now, film critic Ann Brody has this weekend's movie and TV reviews and an interview with the stars of a new film called After. Mm. And closing out the show in our live studio sessions, you may remember her from season one of The Launch. Rhea will be here performing her new single, I'm good. Yes, you are. <laughs> now, don't forget to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk and visit our website at whatshesaidtalk.com, where you can watch videos, read blogs, and download our Apple podcast. Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com.
Meridian's three-year Escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Well, Canadians are living longer and changing what it means to age. But living longer has its challenges and our health has significant financial implications. So joining us now to talk aging well, planning for Plan B, is Nancy Taylor, a senior wealth advisor at Meridian Credit Union. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good to be back. So now approximately a third of Canadians retire earlier than planned. Now that's a statistic that certainly stunned Christine when we were talking about it earlier. Because I don't know anybody who's done that right I mean I, I most people I know want to work past 65 and you know if they're downsized they're looking for something else they are so I, that stat really really surprised me I think the number one reason is because of health issues and it's something that's going to impact all of us but it just it depends on what age it impacts us so when you say a third of Canadians, a part of that is downsizing, but the other part is the health event, and they haven't they haven't really planned for that. It's that it's never going to happen to me, you know, and we don't understand the impact that this could have for ourselves and for our loved ones um, on so our families. You're not just talking about a health a health event on you, the individual, but maybe a spouse or another family member that you have to change your life to care for them. Absolutely. I mean, when I think of my age, I'm looking after a son who's in university. I have um, a mother that's in a hospital and I'm working full time. So, you know, we have a lot on our plates. Yes. And for people that don't properly plan for that, because living longer has its costs. You know, and it's challenges. Yeah, well, you do. And and also, I think people had their children later. They weren't having their children at 20, necessarily. Right. So then you really are part of the sandwich generation. And there's a lot of stress, as we both know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We yeah. both had have had parents that required a lot of support. Mm-hmm. And because we're living longer, the impacts to the family... Um, you know, it's so prevalent in my practice right now where there's so many people that have, um, they live out of town and their parents live in another city. And the impact that has on the family, even just between spouses where one has a stroke and the, the other partner isn't able to properly care for them and they're living in their home and the costs associated with that, you know, sometimes because of a health event, there's loss of income mm-hmm. and there's... Um, not only the loss of income, but there's what happens if um, the person's not able to um, properly fund that, and then you're relying more on your children to help you. So there's the financial impact, there's out of cost drug, uh, drugs that aren't part of our, our proper coverage. You know, there's so many impacts when it comes to the financial. Okay, so let's go through this because because there's a scenario here, and it's like this is like a family that is going downhill fast, and and, and hopefully it is only a scenario. But say, 
Dad has a stroke. Mum is unable to care for him, so they need to pay for care. That's one possibility. Yep. Mum wants to stay in the home as she's healthy enough but can't afford the costs of their home and paying for a nursing home for dad or full-time care. Because as I know, that's about $600 a day yes. for uh, home, uh, in Ontario. So they weren't financially prepared to pay for care. So they asked the daughter for help. Now, the daughter, who's a nurse, is a single mom who was using mom as a caregiver for her child. So the daughter's working part-time, going to university part-time to improve her income. She drops out of school to help care for dad. Um, so the a dad can't, a daughter can't afford to pay for child care on part-time work, moves in with mom and dad to save on housing to afford the child care. And then daughter can't spend as much time with her son as she's helping care for dad. So then you end up with a mom, disabled dad, daughter, grandson, now living in the same house, full of tension and stress, trying to provide care for dad and the grandson while living in tight quarters. So that's just you know, a nightmare for it's the worst case scenario. Absolutely. And not everybody's going to walk away with this scenario. No, but but parts of it, I think people can relate to. Yeah. And, and you can just imagine a perfect world if you've planned properly for that, where you've um, had the the family conversation where you can sit down because it's going to happen to all of us. It's just a matter of when. So if we can sit down and properly have that conversation openly as a family in the event of a health event, you can just imagine how much better planned we would be, how much better, how how equipped we would be to, because um, it's already a stressful heightened time already. Let me ask you this, because I think it would go through a lot of people's minds as we're talking. Can you really fully plan for what may happen? Because there are a gazillion scenarios. So what is your advice to people if they were to come in and say, I want to make sure that I have a buffer? Just start just having the conversation. Fidelity actually, Fidelity Investments put out a great book called Aging Well. And in the book, uh, there's a one pager in the back that goes over all the people that are important in your life or the people that are important in your family's life that you're caregiving for. It goes over, um, you know, who their pharmacist is, who are the neighbors, who is their financial advisor, are there any life insurance policies outstanding? It's just a great one pager so that if something does happen and you end up in the hospital at any age, whoever is there to look after you has that right in front of them as a great resource guide. That's a great gift you can give your family and your loved ones that are going to be properly caring for you. Because uh, I think we do a really good job planning for when we're no longer here. But what about while we're still here? Mm-hmm. Because we're living so much longer, I think that needs to be part of the conversation and, and maybe even a deeper conversation about what that looks like. You're right. We can't plan for what's going to happen tomorrow, but we all know we're aging. Right. After 50, we start losing our financial awareness. And at 60, it goes down by about 1% a year. So wouldn't it be great in a perfect world to start planning and preparing for that while you're fully financially capable? So what does that look like, preparing? Starts with a conversation, conversation with your family, sitting down. They're not always open to hearing it, um, especially children. You know, they and so you're, any- you're having a conversation about if I get sick. Yeah. What happens if mom is in the hospital or what happens if you're talking to a parent? Like I had this conversation with my mother, you know, she's diabetic. So I thought, mom, you know, there may be a come a day where you're no, you know, not able to look after yourself. What, what would you like me to do? How do you feel about end of life conversations with Mm -hmm. your, with your family? Um, Because you put it in writing, but for a child to actually act on it, wouldn't it, what a great having the conversation. What a great gift you can give your loved ones by just having that conversation about how you feel. 
about do not resuscitate and how you feel about feeding tubes and these things that will be the demise of all of us eventually. Or if you want to have medical assistance in dying, that's something that you have to plan while you still have all your faculties yep. around you. Because if you say you slipped into dementia and you didn't want to live that kind of a life, you can't make the decision then. Right. So you need to alert your family and get uh, make all those arrangements Ahead of time. Yeah, definitely ahead, ahead of, of time. time for sure. But, you know, I think children, I've tried to sort of broach that subject a little bit with my children. Um, and they're not very receptive. Mm-hmm. These great guides that are out there, like the one from Fidelity, actually give you different scenarios on how to approach it. Because you're right. it's Nobody wants to think of their parents no longer with, with them. Right? Nobody wants to look at that. But it is inevitable. And if you, they give you different tools and different ways of having that conversation. So one may not work, but another one might. Mm -hmm. So I encourage listeners to pick up a resource book, sit down with a financial advisor and have the conversation and then maybe approaching the family and even having a a conversation with the advisor, with the whole family. So there's a third person there. Do you do that? We do. All financial advisors do. Because we we want to, number one, we would love to meet the next generation because they're the future inheritance, um, you Mm -hmm. know. So, but uh, we also want to protect their loved ones as well and make sure that they've got all their ducks in an order when it comes to planning for how they age. Because aging well today means so much different than it did 10 years ago. You know, I have 80-year-olds that are still golfing and playing tennis and have a great lifestyle, but I have 60-year-olds that aren't in good health. So it affects all of us. And I think um, using these resources, because it's different now, things have changed. So you have to change how you approach them. It can't be just the same Mm -hmm. thing that we've always done, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what a wonderful uh, lens to look through. And you know, 8 million Canadians are unpaid caregivers. So there's a lot of us out there that would really benefit by going down this road and, and planning properly and using these resource guides. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's, it's very important to have the conversation, no matter how difficult it is with your parents, about do they want to be able to stay at, at the home? Are there preparations to co- help cover the expense if you want to stay at home? Because, you know, some people are terrified of, of going to a, a retirement home or, you know, maybe just, it's just like having the conversation about going to see various places now to decide what your parent might want to do in the future so that they're not afraid. Because I think yeah. afraid is what many are. I think fear is what stops us from mm-hmm. looking at it and fear is what stops the kids from wanting to talk about it with their parents. Mm-hmm. But... Um, in a perfect scenario, I think if you can overcome that fear through conversation and communication, mm-hmm. I think that's really key because it takes, it, takes, it takes that fear away and allows you to move to the next level. So, Nancy, where can people go to learn more and, and access those resources that you were talking about? Yep, you can reach us at www.meridian.cu.ca. Um, we have all our advisors listed on the website. Uh, and just reach out to a financial advisor and, and start the conversation. All right. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Looking for a better brunch? We found it for you at Draco Restaurant, inside the spectacular brand new Toronto Marriott Markham on Enterprise Boulevard. All your delicious brunch favorites, plus signature cocktails, every Sunday from 10 till 2. 
Take our word for it. You'll love the space and you'll love the food. It's easy to reserve now on opentable.ca or call 905-489-1400. Elevate your brunch Sundays at Draco. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. According to a recent survey from the Canadian Organization for Rare Disorders, two-thirds of Canadians caring for loved ones living with a rare disease feel unsupported by Canada's healthcare system. And the vast majority, 87% in fact, have had their family finances negatively impacted as a result of their responsibilities. Joining us now is Danielle Wheel. She's a mother of twin girls who were born just a year ago, and one of her little girls has cystic fibrosis. Currently, 4,400 Canadians live with this fatal genetic disease. Danielle, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. So, Danielle, until it happens to you, many people don't really understand the full impact of caring for someone living with a rare disease. Uh, This survey revealed Canada's rare disease caregivers are under huge stress, struggling with mental health issues, isolation, and never mind the financial burden. Tell us about what you've been dealing with since your daughter's diagnosis. Well, since she she was diagnosed roughly two weeks of age, um, and they're now, they turned one year old on March 17th. Mm -hmm. So it's been just over a year now that we've been dealing with this, and it's been uh, a complete learning curve for us. We were first-time parents, um, so not only having twins uh, (laughs) being a challenge, but adding in the the rare disease aspect of it, um, getting used to a whole new routine. We spend a a few hours a day doing treatments and uh, administering medications and things like that. So um, learning that, learning the ins and outs of the disease itself, um, what we should be looking for, what we don't really need to be looking for, uh, what we should be expecting in the future. It's been quite a whirlwind um, to, to get used to. Where does the healthcare system fit in here? How do you how do you feel? Do you feel supported, unsupported? Um, in terms of her care, I have to say, me personally, I do feel supported. I know that she's being well cared for. Her clinic team is amazing and does a lot for her um, for her care, for her mental well being, things like that. On the flip side, for her caregivers, I feel that there is definitely a lot of room for improvement. Um, as a caregiver, we we weren't given a whole lot of direction at the beginning. Um, any questions that we had answered were questions that we came up with ourselves. So if we didn't know to ask, we weren't given an answer. And there was a lot of, of confusion and unsurety and, and that right from the beginning. Um, we have no support for the caregivers in terms of mental health. So if we're feeling exhausted, if we're feeling unsure, if we're feeling overwhelmed, there's nowhere for us to turn to that is is supported by the Canadian government. It's all up to us. What would you say to people that say, well, it's tough. It's not, you know, society's fault that, that this happened. What what do you say to the people when you say, I'm, I'm asking for society's help in this? Um, well, like you said at the beginning, until it happens to you, you don't know. And, and going into this, like, um, I'm lucky in, in having twins. I have family members. My mom, in fact, also had twins. So I had the support in terms of like learning to care for two babies at once and all of this 
my, my daughter is the first in our family that's been diagnosed with this condition and the first with a rare disease. So we, we have no one personally that we can kind of go to and say like, what was your experience? What, what can you point us towards in that? And unfortunately, like, like I said, her clinic is fantastic for supporting her, but they don't have time to be directing every single family and, and everything to resources that anybody besides the patient may need. So who else are we going to turn to? What's helped you cope? Because you you seem to be coping. Um, I'm, I'm very lucky in that, like I said, my family has been extremely supportive. I, I have many nurses in my family, so a lot of medical knowledge, mm -hmm. and, and they've really taken to this and, and supported us with that. My husband has been absolutely incredible. Um, and I have to say, as as millennial as it may sound, social media has been our saving grace. Um, the support groups that are available for parents of, specifically for us, cystic fibrosis um, patients or people living with uh, with it, whether it's another family member, um, we, we rely on them so much for advice, just this is what's happening, what should we do, or this piece of equipment is malfunctioning, I don't know what to do, we were never mm -hmm. told to do this, but mm -hmm. now we're seeing on these pages that, oh, you should be doing this, this, and this, well, maybe we need to integrate mm -hmm. that. Like, it's it's been an absolute godsend. So how do you hope that the survey will impact the current situation? I hope that it opens people's eyes. Like you were saying, society may, may say, why should, why should we be helping? Well, like you said, 87%, that, that's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's going to affect more than just the individual family unit. It's going to affect workplace performance. It's going to affect any, any other aspect that people are, are going out into the public with. So if, if people aren't happy, if people are, are suffering mentally, it's going to impact more than, more than what most people will think. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it will eventually become society's issue. All right. So CORD, um, and, and for people out there who don't know, works with governments, researchers, clinicians, and industry to promote research, diagnosis, treatment, and services for all rare disorders in Canada. People can get more information, I understand, on the, online at raredisorders.ca. Danielle, thank you for coming in and, and telling us your story. And... Um, we wish you all the best and good luck. Thank you so much. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. <sighs> Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. <laughs> and accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. What she Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. And it is time now for Ann Brody with Saturday Night at the Movies. And, and we're actually starting with a new young adult fiction novel series after. Where, where has that come well, from? Well, this author just... 
I mean, a housewife decided she would write the real story about uh, sort of 20-something teen romances from her experience because she doesn't think that any of the past efforts are authentic. So she just did it up on this Canadian app called Wattpad, and Mm -hmm. it's a social thing. People read it, and they encourage you, and blah, blah, blah. So it turns out it got 1.5 billion reads. Is that all? Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's kind of like one of your blogs, Anne. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Um, and uh, so she, it was made into four books, which is odd because they're making five movies in total, I think. And um, it's a massive hit. They've made this film. We did interviews with the cast and with the author under really tight security. There were security guards there. We were bound not to tell anyone about it in advance or the location. So that's how secret Hush, it was. hush. Yeah, it Ooh. was. Mm-hmm. Haven't had anything like that since a Tom Cruise movie in the 90s. Uh, yeah. So after it now, it stars. Um, uh, Alex, I don't have Josephine my Langford and yes. Hero. <laughs> Hero. T- Hero fa- finds Tiffin. He is Rafe and Joseph's nephew. That is a family of actors. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, so did you get any advice from the relatives? Mm-hmm. He said, no. No? Uh, uh, no? What a rebel. <laughs> so it's about these teenagers having a romance in college, the usual stuff, you know, big passion, mm-hmm. lack of control, instability, all these wonderful, horrible things. And is it a good film? Yeah, it's it's cute. It's yeah. cute? It's cute. Okay. All right. It's worth $1.5 billion. <laughs> I think it's going to do extremely uh, well. Really? Yeah. Did you find it authentic? I don't remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> she sees a lot of movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> what about Stockholm? Oh, that's interesting. You all remember the Stockholm syndrome mm-hmm. came from this robbery at Credit Bank in uh, in Stockholm, Sweden. It was an American guy who went in uh, in total disguise as a hippie, blasting Bob Dylan in his big thing, whatever they used to call those. Uh, Bombs, rifles, the works. He goes into a bank and demands everyone give him the money. Um, I am the outlaw, he says. This is Ethan Hawke. And he really raises what is kind of mediocre material. He's so good. Mm. So he held four people hostages, hostage for six days in a bank vault. Um, and while he was threatening to kill them, and they were actually acting out him killing them so they could see it on the cameras... Uh, but in the meantime, he really developed a bond with them. He was looking after them so sweetly and so nicely. and said, don't be afraid. Wear this bulletproof vest and I'll shoot you. <laughs> it was okay. hysterical. Uh, I mean, this terrible, terrible event behind the scenes was kind of funny. And this robber was just totally incompetent. I think it's worth it just to see Ethan Hawke in action. Okay. And Mary Magdalene. Yeah, this is an unusual one. This is this film stars Joaquin Phoenix as Jesus, Rooney Mara as Mary. Now she's been recast. In the Middle Ages, she was uh, branded a prostitute by one of the popes. Mm-hmm. But in 2016, she beca- she was named a, an apostle of the apostles, so that she was the thirteenth apostle. So, totally different view. And this film really just um, highlights the reasons why. And it shows that she was a wealthy woman who was a fisher and a midwife in Magdala, which is why she's Mary Magdalene. How she followed Jesus and became a healer herself. 
Um, and Rudy Mara, who, who normally plays really tough, dark roles, she's good in this, really good. But it's not a film for everyone. To me, it's, it's an act of faith uh, by the filmmaker. Um, you know, it's not thrilling, exciting, uh, massive. It's very quiet. It's very much a thoughtful reflection, philosophical reflection. Hmm. The Brink. Oh. <laughs> it's a great film, but I say, ugh, because... It's a great film? Yeah. But yuck. Yes. Very effective. Oh, this is the movie about uh, Trump's Steve former Bannon. chief strategist, yeah, Steve Bannon. This poor girl, this documentarian, had to follow him around for a year alone. She did all her sound and camera work. She carried her own equipment. A year with this man, listening to him spouting off, not only across the states where most of the audiences he went, the women were crazy about him. They saw him as some kind of sexy figure. And he was spouting his fascism. Then he goes to Europe uh, before the parliamentary elections in 2016, <clears throat> gets a lot of allies there and pushes it. And so many of these leaders are far right. It's just so frightening. Um, and then he goes to a rally in Texas afterwards. And of course, the, uh, the midterms were just a terrible disappointment to him. He's fallen totally off the radar, except for this organization that he's developed. I'm not even naming it. Some investor gave him $100 million. So he's living the high life right now. Oh, <laughs> what did we do wrong? I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. Um, okay, so let, let's just go through quickly. You like the family film Mia and the White Lion? You yes, like that one? very, uh, very much an eye opener. There, okay, mm. and there's a yet another streaming service out. Hey, hey you, hey you, hi you, H A Y U, hi you. All reality, so I'll I'll not be watching. But <laughs> okay, so that's uh, you can. But they've 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 they're launching original series from Australia about you know people having relationships on an island. Okay. I, what's the name of it? Hasn't that been done before? I think it's been done before, <laughs> but this seems to be like beyond the pale as far as I can tell. Oh, okay. All right, now there are more movie and TV reviews up now on whatshesaidtalk.com, but now we are going to take a listen to your interview, Anne, with After Stars, Josephine Langford, Hero Finds Tiffin, Hero Finds Tiffin, and the author, Anna Todd. Let's listen. <laughs> that you just wanted to be friends. I don't think we can ever be just friends. The film is about what can be a very painful period in your lives. People always say it's so great to be young, uh, but that I think is one of the most difficult times because you're learning, you're adjusting, you're trying to figure out how you feel, what your values are and all of that. And this film really brings that. It's so authentic. Thank you. Thank you. Did you did you see sort of it reflecting your experiences? Well, I'm not American and I never went to college. <laughs> so <laughs> not particularly. Yeah, I don't I don't think it reflected personal experiences, but I definitely saw so many aspects of friends' mm. relationships and what certain friends are like and how they behave and I, I really do think, yeah, not personally, but I think it is a really, really accurate representation of, of what it's like for so many people in that time of their life. Mm. How did you how did you both get away with not <laughs> having these things happen? It's oh, cray cray. I guess we, I guess we got, I, well, I don't know if we got lucky or unlucky. I know. <laughs> I mean, I haven't either. Like, when everyone says, oh, you must have read that from experience. 
I went to a community college for like two semesters just to like do something. But I was married at 18. I never had that like there you go yeah. experience. So yeah. just imagination. How did you get to that point then of understanding how the characters felt not having? Well, because I think it's like with any um, with any film or any TV show or something, you don't have to go through personal experiences the characters have to understand the way they're thinking and feeling in certain moments. Like if the scene's about grief or if the scene's about lust, I think you can just well, you just act that emotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it's the same. I think um, I was going to think of an example, but it'd be a bad one. But yeah, as you say, in in all types of acting, you're going to play characters that are very far from from what you're actually like as a person, like a murderer. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or, or like like an a alien serial killer, or like yeah, yeah, I mean, and I was I was very lucky that the book is written from Tessa's perspective. So having read the book before we started shooting, I really get all of six hundred pages of her thoughts to get inside her head. That's a boon. Yeah. And did you get any help from relatives? Uh, I didn't actually. They were always really supportive and stuff, but I don't, I don't see... You didn't seek it out? No, no, I didn't. Um, I didn't. We don't, they're they're so busy rebellion. doing their own thing. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think the, the, the main bits of kind of... The, the, the help I needed came from Anna because I just think getting deeper into the character and having a really kind of complex and detailed understanding of the character Anna knows more than even the books do so you know yeah asking her is the best way well I do have a question for you did this come to you sort of fully formed like an inspirational moment or did you how did you find it no um honestly it was just me I've been a reader my whole life and I yeah. felt like I was kind of bored with romances that I was reading and everything felt the same so I just randomly was like oh I'll write on Wattpad like a chapter until I you know somebody else writes something and then I just did it the first time and it just came out but it was not a fully formed idea whatsoever I just knew this girl was going to college she was going to meet Harden and no clue what else was going to happen yes I really like the way the two characters are so well defined like your character knows who she is Thank she's yeah. she's got her own set of yeah. behaviors and and, and uh, experiences and how she and your character as well I'd love to see that individuality in the story you. thank you so much thank, thank you so much it's been a pleasure thank you What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Fear of missing out? FOMO flies out the door when you listen to Lena. Who knew? I hope everyone will know by the end of this segment. Every time you come in, you have such great news to share with us. Oh, thank you. I love sharing great news. Yes, I want everyone to know about it because it is such a great cause. I almost had tears in my eyes. Yeah. It is phenomenal. OMG. OMG. <laughs> Join What She Said Weekends and find out what lifestyle blogger Lena Almeida is loving. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Well, have you heard of 
Talent. It's an online resource for professional women to pursue their career and life ambitions through access to flexible work and return to work programs. So joining us now is the founder and CEO, Jennifer Hargraves. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so you launched Talent just over two years ago when you couldn't find any professional roles advertised with reduced hours or flexible schedules. And you recently conducted a survey of more than 500 women in the greater Toronto and Hamilton area to find out how work can work better for them. So tell us about the surprising statistics that you found. Well, first of all, just a little bit of background on the survey. Mm -hmm. Um, We're hearing, you probably hear a lot in the news about how diversity is so important, flexible Mm -hmm. work is so important, and you're hearing more and more companies saying, we just can't find the women to get into our leadership roles. And I was hearing the opposite from women. So for me, it was really important to sort of figure out and hear the real story for women on what was going on. We have on one side what companies are saying, and then on the other hand, what women were saying. So I really wanted to get into... and understand what it was that women were having trouble with in the workplace and not just what companies were saying they were Mm -hmm. having trouble with. So a couple of the statistics that I found particularly interesting were that 68% of women take a career break. That kind of blew my mind. That's over 50% of the population is going to take a break from their career. Well, is that because of a maternity leave or having a baby because, you know, we do need to do that. This is true. We do. So I, we defined a career break as taking a break from your current career path or trajectory. So some people interpreted it as um, a maternity leave and other people didn't. So the average career break, the length mm-hmm. of it was two and a half years. We had respondents saying anything from three months, um, which is my guess where they've had a transition of some sort from one career into another. They took a three month break. As a career break, we've got maternities as a maternity leave as an option of a career break. But then we have women who have been out of the workforce for upwards of 10 years on a career break. Would going back to school count Absolutely. in that survey? Yep. I would Where maybe they're trying to upgrade to a better career? Yep. And a lot of the women that we surveyed, actually, the number one reason that people took a career break was for having children. Um, but that was also followed by career transition was um, was one that was up there. And health and wellness was another one that showed up quite a bit. And it was also um, surprising, 20, 22%, I believe, of the women who took a career break were not parents. 27%. 27, sorry. I have, I have it right here. <laughs> Great. 27% of women who took a career break were not parents. So this is Another thing that I found quite surprising as well is that it's not just parents that are taking a career break. It's um, a lot of women are. So what percentage of women who took a career break wanted to go back to work? Actually, 97% said that they would consider going back to work. Almost 80% said, yes, I definitely want to go back. And 20% were sort of sitting on the fence there. So that's pretty close to 100% of women want to go back to work in some capacity. But what was interesting that I found actually quite shocking and and a statistic that I think companies need to pay more attention to is 78% of the women who take a career break don't want to go back to the same organization. Um, And this was because of a lack of uh, support, a lack of supportive environment, a lack of flexible work options within the company, and a lack of aspiration to lead within the organization. So their vision of leadership doesn't appeal to them anymore. Um, Another statistic I found quite interesting was that women often go through a value shift, which may seem quite understandable when when you're talking to women after you've had children. You know, your your values shift and what's important to you and what success looks like starts to change. And it's no longer 
defined by work. And I think we work for so we work so hard for so long towards our certain goals and we kind of get there. Um, we're having children later. Uh, so we start having our first children after we've been in the workforce for over 10 years now. Uh, and we think, what have I been working so hard for? Especially when you start seeing your male colleagues pull ahead of you, uh, the gender pay gap widens, um, it's not a supportive work environment, you don't have the flexible hours, you're effectively doing two full-time jobs. The survey also indicated that 58% of the women who are working are the primary caregivers. So all of a sudden there's this big shift on, well, what am I doing this all for? And wouldn't I be better to go off and do something else outside of the workforce. So what should companies do? Well, I think there's quite a few things that companies can do. The very first thing I would say is have an open conversation with your uh, female workers. I think that's probably number one is find mm -hmm. out what they really need and want in order to thrive in the organization because ambition doesn't wear off with the epidural. We still have ambition. It just shifts. So we're now right. we're looking at what's more important. So you'll also see a rise in the side hustle, uh, mm -hmm. the rise of women leaving the workforce to start their own companies uh, and pursuing volunteer opportunities, education and other things outside of the work, the traditional workforce. Mm -hmm. um, so companies can start by having a conversation. I would say that's definitely one. Um, well, we know, I know a lot of um, people, I think 85% of the people in the direct selling association are women who have left, actually left corporate jobs for the same reasons that you're talking about. Because they have complete control now yeah. over their time, over their income, um, and they've got all the flexibility to do it. It makes it makes complete sense. You think of Avon, that's where sort of the direct exactly. selling started. Yeah. Um, and that was to give women a bit more control or something to do with something constructive to do with mm -hmm. their time and earn some income um, where they had the, the flexibility to do it. Is there any resentment? Did you hear any resentment in this survey towards their spouses or their partners who weren't pulling their weight, that it was kind of up to them to figure it all out, to bring in some money, but the kids needed to be looked after, because I've heard that a lot. Yeah, and it, and it's still true, as is evidenced again with the number, 58% of women are still the primary caregivers. If you look at their, the, with the women working whose partner was the primary giver, 2%. Um, which is crazy. And this is not just a work problem. This is a societal problem because as women, we're told, uh, certainly my generation was told, go to university, study hard, work hard. You can achieve whatever you want. Um, you are equal. You can have it all. And we go to do that. And that works for 34 years. And then I have my child and I'm told to, I should be at home. Um, what's more important uh, you know, value the time you have while they're young. They're not going to be young forever. Um, so you're certainly put in these gender roles uh, by society, by your partner, by work. It's all sort of continues to be reinforced. Now, you, you've partnered up with a couple of organizations, other organizations, um, to figure out like what's going on. So tell us about that, because one just got launched this week with the Turn Lab. Yes, we're very excited about the Turn Lab. Mm -hmm. um, the Turn Lab are an integrated advertising agency. They're part consultancy and part advertising agency and part strategy. And they are a startup company, so they have a very agile mindset. And they're all about looking for talent in unconventional places. So for women who have had a career break, the average career break is two and a half years. To get back into the workforce, there exists a number of of um, barriers to coming back in. Mm -hmm. So the Turn Lab are interested in creating a program to 
leverage the talent that's out there and bring them back into the workforce. So this program we launched, it's a 12-week paid internship for women that's part-time. So we looked at what women need and want to get back into the workforce successfully, and we developed a program specifically for that. Are you still accepting applications? We just launched, and applications are open for the next two weeks. Awesome. Ooh. And what's about uh, Think Data Works? Think Data Works are also a startup company. They're in technology, and uh, they're struggling to find skilled talent. Skilled female talent is obviously an issue that the STEM industries are facing. Mm-hmm. And they're looking, again, for new ways to find talent. So what they're doing is looking at women who have had a career break in the technology field, and not just technology, actually, but they want to bring them back into the workforce, again, through a supported returnship program. Amazing. Mm -hmm. That's that's terrific. So how do people connect with you? What's your website? All that kind of information. Uh, I would recommend our Facebook group is very engaged and active, um, and that's We Are Talent is our handle for everything. Uh, Same with our website. T-E-L-L-E-N-T. Think French for female in talent. Okay. So we are talent, yes. And you can connect to these internships and the other programs? Yes, it's all on our website. If you go into the homepage, we have champion employers, and there are other employers who really value diversity and supporting women. Um, we have a law firm on there as well, Frost Law, uh, supporting female lawyers, another industry in which women are being challenged and to getting into senior level roles. And just quickly, yes or no, are you accepting bids from other companies who may be interested in offering something through you? 100%. And if there are companies out there who value women and who want to see them thrive and the contribution that they can Mm -hmm. give, please get in touch with me. We'd love to showcase what you're doing. Talent is really all about matching great companies with great talent. Jennifer Hargraves, thank you so much for joining us today and telling us all about talent. Thank you for having me. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Let me tell you about my friend Alfred. Alfred has truly revolutionized dry cleaning in the GTA. You see, we're all busy. Some may even say too busy. And Alfred's laundry list of services are here to help. They include wash and fold, dry cleaning, alterations, as well as shoe cleaning and repairs. Alfred takes care of it all. Simply drop your garments off with your concierge or at any Penguin pickup location in the GTA, and Alfred will take care of the rest. Learn more today at alfredservice.com or through the free Alfred Service app. Sign up today and get a first-time discount by entering the promo code What She Said. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Competing for the spotlight. If we never cool again, it's alright. Before, 
Welcome to What She Said. Hi, thank you for having me. Hi. Now, people may remember you from season one of the launch. Tell us a little bit about how you got started and how you ended up there. For sure, yeah. Um, So I had an acting agent at the time, and uh, she would book uh, singing gigs or acting gigs. And this one actually just came up to be like a singing one. So she called me and she said, Vic, like, oh my gosh, I have this really exciting show that would be great if you would be in it. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. So it was just like a low key, like upcoming, like, uh, you know, CTV like show. So I auditioned for it. And um, after a few rounds online, it turned out to be good. And I I went on to this TV show and it was it was great. I met Boy George, which was insane. So yeah, but it was a great experience for sure. Yeah, well, yeah. I, 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 it's 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 good that you know who Boy George is. Yeah, because I'm thinking, wow, you know, I, I even felt old. Karma, when Boy karma, George karma, 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 karma. And and still popular. Yeah, yeah, no, he's great. Um, so so tell us what your new single is about. For sure. Um, so I'm good is about bad relationships, um, more specifically friendships, like moving forward and stuff like that. So I've always had problems with like friends, like my whole childhood. So this one just means a lot to me. What do you mean you've had problems? And what do you mean? Just um, like friends just not being there and just like a lot of like horrible things. Like I used to be bullied when I was small. So mm. it, yeah, it was just a lot of things. So, so is this people not being who they just, appear yeah, to be not and being, not being there for you? And, yeah, not being like a 50-50 kind of thing. Like right. me always putting in the work and the effort and never getting anything back. So Takers. Yeah, takers, yeah. definitely. And so I'm good means you've come to a point where... Where I'm fine without those people and only good vibes and good people in my life. Good yeah. girl. <laughs> for sure. So you're working on your debut EP right now? I am, yeah. So uh, we are halfway done. We have about like six songs mm-hmm. ready to go, but it'll it'll be out in the summer. I'm really excited. Yeah. So what's the sound like? It's um so it's pop R and B, and some of the R and B um, is very kind of like old school, but kind of modern at the same time. So it kind of has two different things which Fusion. I find really cool yeah. yeah there you go so just a little bit of like LMA or like uh, Daniel Caesar and then also kind of has like more of an aggressive kind of like SZA kind of cool so it's yeah it's really it's really cool so now you you, you said you were a- acting or you had an agent that was from acting yeah. and music have you made the decision now or are you still gonna <laughs> leave, leave both doors open um definitely like I'm going to leave the door open for acting because it's, it's a great thing and I, I have a lot of fun doing it. Um, but definitely singing is my number one. It's your number one. Yeah. So how can people connect with you on online? Where can they find you? Yeah, so I have a YouTube channel, which is on YouTube, which is Victoria Azevedo. And um, I have my Instagram and it's Victoria A.A. Azevedo and just like Rhea at mm. like the in my bio. Um, but yeah, those are my two main kind of okay. platforms. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. (laughs) That is it for What She Said this weekend. We'll be back again next Saturday at noon right here on 105.9 The Region. But right now, singing us out in our live studio sessions, here is Rhea performing 
I'm good. Put the side and to let it out So I could see how deep in the lie you go down Now you can stop trying to hustle me again with a fake smile Ooh, oh, ooh, oh, oh I can't cry this way with you Like I used to cry the way before it's my time to get away from you I'ma let you do you, that's it You and I can't happen, hey No more competing for the spotlight, yeah If we never cool again, it's alright, yeah Cause you ain't never meant to be in my life I'll be good I'll be, I'll be good, yeah Everything happens in seasons and stages And I'm through with dealing with all of your faces Goodbye Ooh. I'm all out of patience, it's time for some changes I'm over the games and the way you behaving Goodbye No more competing for the spotlight Never cool again, it's alright, yeah. Cause you ain't never meant to be in my life. I'll be good, I'll be, I'll be good, yeah. No more competing for the spotlight, yeah. If we never cool again, it's alright, yeah. Cause you ain't never meant to be in my life. I'll be good. I'll be, I'll be good, yeah. Yay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. What she said, she's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. What she said, she's magical, mystical. It is your favorite girl. That's right, it's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. 
We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.